When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Welcome to the 1871 podcast and our special guest for this episode is former Reading midfielder Ray Houghton. So, Ray, thank you for being our guest and a very warm welcome to the show to you. Pleasure to be on, lads. Really, really appreciate you joining us, Ray. Um, And just by way of a little introduction, uh, before you joined Reading in 1997, you'd already played for West Ham, Fulham, Oxford United, Liverpool, Aston Villa, Crystal Palace, and of course, the Republic of Ireland. You won two league titles and two FA Cups with Liverpool. You won the League Cup with Oxford United and Aston Villa. Um, You scored in the 1-0 win against England at the 1988 Euros in Germany. Um, And then, of course, at Italia 90, you were part of the Irish team uh, that beat Romania to reach the quarterfinals and you scored in the penalty shootout. Um, and then at the 1994 World Cup, we all remember that goal. You, you scored that fantastic goal to beat uh, Italy. Um, so many highlights in your playing career, Ray. But um, when you look back, how do you feel about what you achieved in your playing career? Yeah, I mean, you, listen, when you come from what I did, uh, in the sense that, you know, when I was uh, 11 years old, um, I, I used to play for Islington Boys. Um, and part of the deal when you played for Islington is you trained at uh, Arsenal on a, either a Tuesday or a Thursday with the young players that Arsenal were bringing through. So that was a great experience. My problem was when I was 11, I was four foot four. When I was 12, I was four foot four and a half. And when I was 13, I was four foot five. <laughs> I just didn't grow. And, um, you know, we had some really good players at uh, Islington at the time. I mean, I played with Chrissy White, who played for Arsenal and Leeds United. And Chrissy Ramsey, I mean, Chrissy went on to play in the uh, FA Cup final for Brighton against Manchester United. And he's been a manager recently and been involved with England and one thing and another. So I uh, had a, a good upbringing as far as that was concerned. But it was tough because I was so so small. I never grew. So my chances of making it were pretty slim until I got an opportunity to go to West Ham uh, Oh, we said, we said, oh, oh Ray, are you still there? Still there. I don't know what happened. I just went yeah, off. Okay. For a second. Uh, yeah, I went, to, I got a chance to go to West. It was actually through a friend of mine, Dennis Phillips. Dennis and I were at school together, played in the same school team, played for the same Islington district team. And the scout for West Ham had seen Dennis playing, couldn't believe how good he was. He wasn't with the club. <clears throat> and completely out of the blue, he just said to him, Is there anyone else like you? 
and he mentioned me. And that was my bit of good fortune to get to West Ham. And once you get uh, an opportunity like that, you got to seize it. You know, you really got to give it everything you've got. And that's what I tried to do for every club that I was at, you know, starting at West Ham. You know, I thought I felt I was very unlucky there. I was there for three seasons. My last season, I actually scored 19 goals from midfield and, and I got a free transfer at the end of the season, which um, probably today would be unheard of. But that was the way it was. There was uh, a lot of competition for places for the youngsters. But it ended up being a blessing in disguise. You know, my career moved on from there. Um, and then obviously, you know, I mentioned some of the, the big highlights, Republic of Ireland, you know, Liverpool, um, you won the FA Cup. Uh, you won the league, won the league twice, the FA Cup twice. Um, if if I say to you what was your your highlight, uh, we might still be here in um, <laughs> uh, sort of a couple of hours. But you know, for you, Ray, what out of all of those kind of highlights, which one do you pick out in terms of the one that that you're most proud of? Was it the you know was it playing for Ireland? Was it playing for Liverpool? Was it winning trophies? What was it? Yeah, all them things are, 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 are very great uh, along the way as far as your career is concerned. But signing for West Ham when I did, that's the greatest thing. You know, to realise your your dream from a very young age, I wanted to be a professional footballer. I didn't think it was going to happen. You know, I, I was working for J&B Whiskey in London, just Rooney and Brooks. I was shipping, I was uh, shipping wine to all over Britain and over to the USA and Canada. You know, that was my job. I'd done it for about six months. I hated it. I'd done it because I didn't know where I was going to be. So when you get your chance to be a professional footballer, and it's only the start, that's where so many youngsters go wrong, I feel, with football today. It's because once they sign a professional contract, they think they've made it. They haven't. You're just on the first rung of the ladder. That's it. You know, it's now up to you. You've been given a, an opportunity. You've got to seize it. You've got to take your chance. You've got to be ready for that. And it's only the start, very, very start of it. And it's how you manage that and how you progress from there, which is the important thing. And you must give it 100% every day. That's what I've done. I found it tough when I first started because I wasn't used to training daily. You know, that wasn't something I'd ever come up against. And let me tell you, in the 20-year career I had, I didn't work as hard anywhere else apart from West Ham. That was the hardest training I've ever came across. You know, when I look at that compared to what I used to do at Liverpool, Liverpool was a walk in the park. You just hardly done anything. At West Ham, we ran. And we ran, and we ran, and we ran, and we ran. And that was the the ethics of it. You know, there was a lot of running involved. There was a lot of physical um, things that went on with their training at West Ham. And as a youngster, I would train mo- Monday morning, Monday afternoon, Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon. And I was a pro. I wasn't an apprentice. I was a professional. And I still had to do the jobs of a, an apprentice. So getting in early, folding the kit up, going to the, uh, to the training ground, getting all the kit out for the for the first teamers, you know, making their tea, cleaning their boots, doing everything afterwards uh, when they had finished at uh, lunchtime, going back to the uh, to the uh, the stadium afterwards, putting all the kit away and getting it ready for the next day, getting home at seven eight o'clock at night, and then you were up again the next morning to start all over again. So it wasn't what I would call, you know, like the the lovely lifestyle that some youngsters might have today when they because they didn't have to do the jobs. But it was it grounded you. It got you prepared for what what was real and what wasn't. Uh, and then after all, all of those highlights that I mentioned, of course, you, you signed for Reading. That was back in the summer of '97, and you played. Uh, I think your first season was at Elm Park, and then the Madeski Stadium. That's that's right, isn't it? Um, yeah. And you, yeah. You, 
You scored one goal for Reading, um, which yeah, believe cool. it or believe it or not, for for the newer Reading fans, was um, was in a, a three nil win for Reading against Manchester City. Yes, I was there. Oh, I remember that already well. happened. Johnny was there, um, and uh, that was twenty five years ago. So that was February ninety eight. Uh, Lee Hodges and Carla Saba also scored for Reading that day. Um, Ray, can you can you remember that game? What do you remember about that game? No, I, I don't. But I, I tell you the game I do remember. We went to Manchester City. Uh, I think obviously it must have been the same season, and uh, I think we drew up there. I think they went down to ten men though, uh, and we ended up drawing the game. I remember coming in, and I was absolutely distraught that we hadn't won it. And and some of the lads were in the shower, and this is how I, how vivid I can remember. And they were sort of, you know, well, hey, oh, you know, we got a draw today, and I was throwing my boots on the floor, and I was absolutely disgusted. And they were sort of looking at me if I was a bit nuts, and saying, well, why are you acting like that? And I said, well, look, in principle, if before the game, if you'd have said to me, you know, if you get a point, would it be a good result? I would have said yes. But the fact that they were down to ten men, we've got to change our attitude during the course of the game. It's now there to be won. So if we don't win it, I think it's a disappointment. It's not a good point in the end. We should have got all three points. And that's what I didn't like about the attitude at the time. And maybe it came back from my background, you know, where I'd been, where it was like a winning mentality, you go to go and win it. And we were in a real situation as far as, you know, try to stay up. It was a tough season. You know, Terry brought me into the club and then it was a change. Alan Pardew was in there for a week and then Tommy Burke. Burns and Tommy's got a different way of playing. Tommy wants to, you know, change the whole uh, attitude of the club, if you like, completely from top to bottom. So, you know, it was it was, it was a difficult season. I wish I came in personally. I wish I would came in ready earlier, you know, because I've came at the back end in my career, you know, at the front end of it. Uh, and I, you know, you, I, I wish I could have had a bit more influence over the, the lads that were there. You know, if I was a bit younger, because I was very outspoken um, uh, and I would like to have come a bit earlier and maybe influenced a bit more and, and try to help the lads that were there because there were some good youngs I was just going through some of the lads that were there there was some really nice, great lads and I'll tell you what training wise excellent you know fitness wise these lads put in 100% every day um, I remember the old gym at Elm Park which I've got to be honest with you wasn't very good it wasn't very modern but I, they made the most of it and when we went to the new stadium and the gym that was there, I, I remember we used to have um, we we used to have uh, on the own machine and we used to put up the results and it was a bit of a battle who could get the best records, you know. So you're in there and I can't remember what it was. It was either for 500 meters or a thousand meters. How what the quickest time was? And you put it up with the board and everyone was trying to beat it from Parky to Andy Banal. All these boys were a bit fitness fanatics. But even the old boy here, uh, I was having a go at it as well because I loved that. I loved that attitude. Uh, so that was the thing I would take away from my time at, at, uh, at Reading was um, being at the old stadium uh, and what that brought. You know, I, I it, it was an old-fashioned stadium, so I liked that. You know, I enjoyed that. But then you moved to this modern, brand-new, state-of-the-art stadium, which was Absolutely incredible. It was absolutely phenomenal with everything that had uh, there. Um, and then with Tommy in charge, trying to take, change things around, trying to change the style of play. It was, it was it was, interesting. So it was like the old stadium and the old style of football, new stadium, new style of football. I think that's the best way to sum it up. Yeah, Johnny, going to gonna bring you in now. Yeah, I was going to say, Ray, do you remember that day? I think it was, it was the Magnificent Seven came in on transfer deadline with Tommy. 
Yeah. That was absolute mad, wasn't it? <laughs> that, that time in the season. But what was he like as a manager? Because we've had a few other players come on and say nothing but great things about him as a, as a person. What was he like for you? Sorry, I'm back, lads. I don't know what's happening. Just keep switching off. I'm not touching a button. I'm not very good with it. I'm just standing here all the time. <laughs> Now, saying that, what, what was Tommy like to, to play for, right? I mean, you've worked under some amazing coaches, Jack Charlton, Dalgleish, and like, everyone says such nice things about the late, great Tommy. What, what was he like? Yeah, I mean, Tommy, and, and obviously you had Stevie Keane. Stevie had been at the club and now had, you know, elevated to first-team coach with Packy Bonner. So there's a good backroom staff. You know, they wanted to play a different style of football. They wanted to pass the ball out. But I got that. You know, I got the way they were trying to play but I think there's times when you try to change it too quickly. You know, there was like it was like an evolution. You know what I mean? It was like, here we are, lads. We're playing this. Oh, we keep losing Ray. Hopefully, he'll be back in a second. You still there, Ray? Johnny, what what do you remember about Ray's time at Reading? Until yeah. I remember those those two seasons, you know, and it was uh, a bit of a disaster um, at Elm Park. And then, yeah, obviously Ray's coming towards the end of his career. And, but, you know, trying to, I can imagine trying to work with some of the players that we had at the time when you've been at that level would be very difficult. And, and you know, under Terry, Terry Boulevard was a difficult time. And then Tommy coming in. We were all, you know, we were pretty much all the way de- ready going to be relegated. Um so it, it kind of, you know, and then, you know, the, the expectations with the new ground, Tommy Burns, because of his reputation in football, you're thinking, you know, it's going to start well, but it, it didn't really get going. And, and I think, like Ray was saying there, he was trying to implement something that uh, just maybe too much too soon for, for players that aren't at that level, but hopefully Ray's back. Is he there? Are you there, yeah, Ray? We, uh, ah, there he is. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. boys. I don't know what's going on. I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> oh, we were we were talking about you in your absence. So no, uh, all right, you're fine. You can call me all the names you like. You're, no, you're no, 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 no. <laughs> no, that's okay. No, um, obviously, you know, John Johnny touched on it just there while you, um, uh, you know, while we were waiting for you to come back, Ray. And uh, thanks for coming back. Um, so your first season ended in relegation from from what is now the Championship, and the following season. You finished 11th um, first season at the Medici Stadium. Did you get the feeling at that time with the new stadium and, and everything else that was going on that, that Reading were at the start of something special? Is that the feeling that you got? Yeah, I think with the new stadium and, you know, it's great for the fans. You know, to come, we all due respect to the old stadium. I don't think it was user friendly. You know, if you were bringing your children there or, or your wife, I'm not sure it would have been something you would have said, oh, that's great. To, to go and view from. Uh, it had its merits. You know, I, I loved it, you know, because as I say, I like old stadiums, but there's no doubt modern stadiums and what they bring when it comes to, you know, toilets, for example, good view all around the stadium, places to go and eat. It was absolutely different class from that point of view. You know, you did actually feel a bit special coming to the ground. You know, you, you as a player, you know, you've, you, you, you there was a pride in where you played, you know, the stadium that you were playing in, your home's, home stadium, you were like, oh, yeah. But the only problem with that is every other team that came and played against you were like, oh, isn't it nice to play here today? <laughs> it looks a lovely place. 
picture was always in good order, you know. So um, yeah, it was. It, you could sense that there was something changing. Um, you mentioned, I think, John, when you said uh, about Tommy bringing in seven players on deadline yeah. day. I mean, that was tough. It was tough for the players over there, and it was tough for the players coming in. They hadn't a clue. We didn't know much about them and the style of football they were going to bring to the club. So that was tough, really tough for everyone concerned. And, <clears throat> you know, you've got a group that are, who were tight-knit as we were. We didn't have a, a large squad. But all of a sudden, now we have, because we've got seven new additions that would be added yeah. in there um, and it's how you gel together as a group um, and that can be quite tough at times as well to you know, you know the old players to say come in lads you're going to take my positions or whatever but hey ho this is how it goes it was that from that side of things I felt it was a little bit tough on the, the players that were there but that was Tommy's prerogative as manager to do what he wanted to do or he felt which was right for the club at that particular time. But it was just the style of football that changed and, yeah. you know, how the players had to adapt to that the following season, which uh, was interesting. But you knew, you know, he was in, it was in good hands with Tommy. Tommy was a football man. He knew the game inside out. Um, and he, he actually was very good to work with, you know, as a, as a, as a coach. You know, he yeah. always wanted to explain that. I, I can even picture him in my head now. I think we went down to Bournemouth for a get-together and uh, I was a little bit later. I think I had to go to your funeral. So I got, you know, he said to me, come down afterwards, but I want you part of the group. So I remember going down there and everyone else was allowed to go out that night. And I got down there, I think it was quite late, about 10.30 or, or thereabouts. And Tommy was in the bar and he didn't drink much, Tommy. I know even if he was a drinker, but then he just sat down and he was getting these like, uh, you know, like salt and pepper little dishes out. And what happens if he goes there, right? He pushes up. <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking, I've just came for a funeral. I'm not in the best of form. I want to go out with the lads because I want to get alongside them. And he must have had me in the bar for about an hour and a half just going through <laughs> tactics of where these little glasses should go and salt and pepper things. But it just showed you the intensity of him and his yeah. love yeah. and passion for the game and how much he wanted to be a success at the club. How much? How difficult was it for you, Ray? You know, I know you say you're coming towards the end of your career, yeah. but you're playing, no, no disrespect to the players that you had at the time, but they weren't at the level that you used to at Liverpool, Republic of Ireland. How difficult is that for you transitioning? At that it, 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 it was very difficult for me. Uh, I, I've, I've spoke to other players about this, you know, players that are, you know, who dropped down the divisions. And I, I used to ask the question, how did you find that? And some of them would say quite, quite easy. And most of them were defenders because defenders, you know, you're always playing the ball forward, you know. But when you're a midfield player, when the ball comes in and you get turned on it, there'll be certain areas you'd be expecting players to run into. Yeah. So when I would get the ball, I expect my right back to move enough further up the field to be an option to give him the ball. Oh, we've lost. We've lost Ray again temporarily. Hopefully, he's, hopefully he's come back in a in a second. Think, sorry, I, I don't know what's going on. This, this is ridiculous. That's okay. Don't worry. Don't worry. The Wi-Fi in Ireland. We blame it. It's bad yeah, down there as well. No. All I'd say on it was, um, oh, he's gone again. Um, when he comes back, Johnny, I'm going to ask him. He, he mentioned Parkey, uh, Phil Parkinson. He mentioned a, a few other players, and you know how he liked the attitude and the mm. competitiveness, all that sort of thing. So, hopefully, you know we're we're getting him back. He's obviously got. A, there we go. One or two oh. issues with the Wi-Fi. Oh, I'm still here. T-Ray happens now. Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah. Ray, um, you, you mentioned about 
players that you played with and, and you like the attitude and, and you mentioned Phil Parkinson. Yeah. Um, which, which which players sort of stood out for you at, at Reading at your time at the club? Well, technically, the players like Darren Caskey. Cask was, uh, and he picked up that horrific injury. Remember, I think he broke his leg, didn't he? Um, yeah. When we really needed him. And I think he was a huge loss for us. You know, Darren was someone who had good vision. You know, you could see a pass. Um, a bit like me, I'd like to have seen Trevor Morley a bit younger. You know, Trevor was uh, someone that had great quality. And, you know, I think his first couple of seasons at Reading, he'd done supremely well. But then, obviously, there's a change in the guard. Carl Asaba comes in. I mean, Carl came in from Brentford, and he came in for, I would say, big money at that time. Yeah. Uh, Carl had a huge future, and he was our top goal scorer in his first full, first full season. Um, he was someone that had potential. Um to, to to elevate himself, because he had genuine pace. He, he, you know, he, he, for his height, you know, he, he decent in the air. But he, for a midfield, he was great because you could play balls in behind. You know, you could stretch the game for you. Uh, so he was something. And and then when Martin Williams, I think Martin didn't really realise his full potential. Martin had real quality. You know, he was good dribbler, could run at people, strong as an ox, could hold people off. But to me, he just never got enough out of his game. He wasn't, you know, you'd be like eight out of ten one week, and then four, and then seven, and then five, and then nine, and then four. <laughs> What's happening one week to the next? What's going on? And I couldn't work out. And I'm sure it was, must have been difficult for him as a player not to have worked out why he couldn't do it in a more consistent basis. When uh, Meeks on the wing, he's another one. Meeks was always looked good, you know, and he could cross the ball. Um, which Stewie Lovell, Stewie was a good finisher, good lad. Um, he, he had a bit of quality about him. Uh, Lambo on the wing, Jamie on the wing. He's another one potentially running at people. Um, I don't know what on his background and what the problems were with, with Jamie. Not living in the area. So I, I lived in Loughton where I live now, which was quite a drive away. So over my way was Trevor Morley, Lee Hodges, Linboy Primus, Darren Caskey. So we used to travel in together. So we had a sort of a bond. Um, but I didn't really know the other lads as well because I didn't live in that area. I wish I did a little bit because you would have got to know them a bit more and what they were what they were about. And maybe you could have influenced that a little bit more. Um, but, yeah, there were some, some good lads there, some good players. And then at the back, we had Big Barry Hunter, didn't we? Um, uh, which Andy Banal. I mean, Andy was a fitness fanatic, wasn't he? He was, he was unbelievable. He, great lad as well. Uh, I enjoyed Andy's company. Uh, we had boots before that, before he left. And then the new players that come in that um, that was brought into the club. You know, there was some some talented. Stewie Gray, educated left foot. Stewie had plenty of ability about them. Um, yeah, so there were some good players there. Lindvoy Primus came in, didn't he, at that time as well? Yeah, Linvoy, yeah. So I said he, he tried, used to travel when we meet Linvoy and Lee Hodges. You know, so there was there was plenty of players there. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. And with when you're under with, with Terry in charge, right? I mean I think he started off quite well, I think, but then after Christmas it kind of just went pear shaped. What it's hard to say now, but what do you think changed yeah, yeah. In, in, in the way things were? You know, because he was new as a coach, you know wasn't he? Yeah, he, 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 we, had, we had Alan alongside him, Terry and Al, and they were great. I, I, I used to like their sessions. They were always inventive. You know, there was always a, 
who are trying to work on things to to improve the lads. Um, I mean, the training ground was was good. You know, I didn't mind the training ground; it's good facilities. That wasn't a problem. Um, I don't know. I don't know if we uh, stop believing in ourselves. I don't know if uh, um, you know over that when the weather changed, you know, and the pitches weren't as good. Because I remember playing in a couple of matches at the Old Elm Park when it was actually frozen. I mean, you could... It was like rock solid. And why we were playing, I haven't got a clue. But back then you did. You know, you got on with it. Um, maybe one or two players, key players, were injured at the wrong time. I can't... I couldn't put my finger on it exactly, John, exactly where it went wrong. But it was... It's a bit like Leicester at the minute, or you know, a team that you don't think is going to come down yeah. quickly, and all of a sudden you, you're in this rut of you can't win, or you're not, you can't, you know, you you lose two, you draw two, you win one, and then that's the sort of formation you're in, the you know, the the run of games that you're in, and we just couldn't get ourselves out of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And look, you, you mentioned my record there, lads. Look, one goal was actually dreadful, dreadful from my point. And when I look back and I think, was I shooting? You know, didn't I have a strike at goal? Was I not getting forward? So all the things that you would question and keeping the ball and coming back. And I was trying to say that, you know, you come back, you try to get on the ball and players are not moving at the position. And maybe from myself, my own point of view, I was getting a bit frustrated. And then I wasn't doing the things that I should have been doing. Um Maybe at times the manager kicked me in when he shouldn't have done and maybe changed it around and brought someone else in. But with Darren being out, that was a huge loss as yeah. well. You know, we, we missed his creativity. We missed his spark in the middle of the park. Someone who could see a pass and, you know, get his a little bit higher up the pitch. And maybe they were just things like that that generally go against you. Um, so there was some reasons why it didn't quite work out, uh, but I couldn't definitively tell you. Exactly, you know, and that's what happens in football. You just get in a bit of a rut. Confidence starts to go quite quickly. The belief isn't quite there, and you start losing games, and you're not winning, and the pressure's on you. You go into matches, and you're thinking, "Oh, we need to win today," and that brings an added pressure before you've even yeah. kicked a ball. And, and uh, Ray, just wanted to ask you about um, Alan Pardew. Obviously, you know, went on to manage several other clubs after after Reading. What what did you see in him? You know, as a, as a leader, if you like, as a as um somebody who could kind of galvanise the team, that that sort of thing. What what did you spot in him? I, I, I would say well, we've we've got to wait in anticipation for Ray's answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, luckily that. <laughs> what I'd say about anyone who was at the club at that time and seen Alan work with the reserves, and that's one of the hardest jobs because you've got the youngsters coming up from the youth team who've just come out with the youth team, so you know you've got to keep them in check, and then you've got the the players coming out with the first team who all think they should be in the first team, and they may not have the best of attitudes going into the reserves. So now you've got to work with that. I thought Alan was brilliant. His coaching sessions were always very very good. You could tell straight away he was a proper coach. You knew what he was doing. You knew what he wanted to do. Um, and anyone who, who's seen him work would say that he was going to have a big future in the game. Uh, whether that would have been as a manager or as a coach, I'm not sure. But whatever it was, he was going to do well because his coaching sections was very, very good. I think he spoke very well. You know, he, he didn't intimidate players. He, he You know, he obviously had to cajole some. You know, he had to give some a pat on the back. You know, he had to give the youngsters the freedom to go and express themselves. 
And at times that can be one of the hardest jobs at a football club, the reserve team manager, if they have reserve team managers so, so much to do. But I thought he'd done it really, really well. I was usually impressed with, with Alan. And, you know, that reflected on his career. If you look where he went and what he'd done, you know, he, uh, I think everyone who would have seen that read him with the, with the reserves. Yeah. And what about yourself, Ray? Did you ever sort of think about management yourself? Yeah, I mean, we've all we've all got uh, attitudes, and we've all got beliefs, and we've all got confidence. It's one of my regrets, without a doubt. Without a doubt, it's a it's a regret. I mean, I went in a coaching uh, position at Crystal Palace. Um, did I make the best of it? Probably not. Have I got regrets about that? Absolutely. Um, you know, I was always someone who thought quite deeply about the game. Uh, I and, and even to this day, you know. Even when it comes to punditry, a thing like that, I don't think it's a it's something you go in here and you have a laugh or a joke about. I think it's a serious thing. I think you're trying to, you know, impart your views to to people about how the game should be played and where it might have went wrong. Everyone's got an entitled to your opinion, and everyone's entitled to you know put across what they think about the game. You should do it in a right and proper way. You know, you should have conviction about what you're saying and believe what you're saying. I'm not one of them ones that you know someone will say to me, oh blah, 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 and then you go, all right, I'll go down that line because you say that. You've got to have your own convictions. You've got to have your own beliefs about how you think the game went, and then you convey that to people. Then it's up to them. Either they accept what you said or they don't. That's perfectly acceptable either way, you know, but you've got to be true to yourself. That's one of the things I say. I try to advise any youngster coming through, you know, whether that's playing-wise, and I think there have been too many, I think that's one of the things, too many youngsters uh, are told by their friends and their mates, You've had a great game when you've not, and I don't think you're doing them any good. You know, I can assure you, every time I had a bad game, I'd got two older brothers, and the first thing they would say to me, "You were dreadful today." <laughs> it wouldn't be you were you're average or you were okay today. If I was dreadful, they would tell me, and they would show. They would tell they me not what, 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 what went wrong. I'm guessing they might not have used the word dreadful. It might have been something else. But... <laughs> well, a little bit more. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't quite that. But yeah, but I think I, you're never going to learn unless people are honest with you. You know, I remember some managers to turn around and say, you know, three of you have done well today, and eight of you, I've got to t- I'll tell you what, you've got to think about your game. I guess I'll, I'll tell you, all eleven went out there thinking that they were one of the three. None of them thought they were one of the eight. You know, because that's how they work. They, they work in this little bubble. Of, well, it's not me; it's someone else's fault. Instead of putting your hand up and saying. I was dreadful today. I've, I've come off many times. Like, oh my God, how bad was that today? Couldn't control the ball. You know, everything, every decision I made was wrong today. You know, if I, if I should have passed it, I, I was keeping it. You know, if I should have dribbled, I passed the ball off. I remember once the ball went up and then it came off and I went to control it with my right foot and hit my left and that probably summed up my day. And I was like, <laughs> that, that's, that's how bad it was. But you've got to be honest with yourself. And I just think... There's so many people that could learn so much in the game by being honest and family and friends, being honest with them, because that's the only way you're going to learn. And that's where I learned from from Terry. That's where I learned from Tommy. You know, they would tell you, you know, what, what was going on, what you were doing, you know, what we've got to do to get better. And hopefully that had an influence on a lot of the younger lads to help them in their careers. Yeah, Johnny, uh, anything else you want to ask, Ray? Yeah, I was going, just a couple of things. First, I, I don't know if you you still follow you know what goes on at Reading at the minute, Ray. I don't know if you've seen you know there's possible points deduction again and and just a bit of a mismanagement to say the least. What do you think of the, the club at the minute? 
Johnny, you know, I'm surprised that, you know, during COVID, I thought it'd be a lot of clubs that went to the wall, to be honest. Yeah. I thought it would have a massive impact on so many uh, low down the leagues just because of the finances. You know, the amount of money players are getting paid these days. I mean, I hear about, you know, even in League Two, players on £5,000, £6,000. How can you sustain it if you've got not, not got the crowd? I, I mean, I just, you know, purely on a mathematical basis. You know, if you're only bringing in... Three million quid and your bills are five million. Well, you don't have to be a mathematician to work out. It ain't going to work. You know, yeah. there's a problem, and there's uh, there's these owners coming in. I'm sure they've got the best of intentions to do well at a club, but you know, we've just seen it at Wigan, isn't it? Most recently, you know, we heard about they not been paid. Was it for five five occasions yeah. where they've been paid late? And they're not going to be the only ones. This is going to happen to I think quite a few clubs because. You've got people coming in who might not have uh, business acumen in football. They might have it in other industries, but it seems to me they lose their mind when they come into football. And thing, the decisions that they make in their own industry, they never do in football. They would never give out the money that they do in their own industry. But one of the things they don't realise is players' contracts. You give a player a four-year deal on X, if you want to get rid of them after two weeks, you've got to pay them all that money. And they don't get that. They're like, no, 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 no. In our world, we don't do that. Yeah. We'll, we, we'll, we'll give them three months' money and then they can leave. doesn't happen in professional football. So you need to have the right personnel at a, a football club. And that's behind the scenes as well as on the pitch and management. So all that has to come together. It all has to work in the one, the one way. Now, I don't know about the, the actual crowds at Redden again. I don't, I, mean, I don't look at every club I played at and look at all the, uh, you know, the amount of money that they're trying to generate. I look at where they are, what they're doing. I don't always report on I'm not a great one for social media. I don't go on Twitter and every time someone plays and say, oh, look, we've done well today or we've done badly today. You know, I had my time there uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed my, my time at every club that I played for. And Reading is certainly one of them players. And I've got a lot of time for the club. And it hurts, you know, when you say that, they're going through the problems that they've got. It hurts, you know, as an ex-player. I'm thinking, why is that happening? You know, why, why, why? Um... We've lost Ray again temporarily, but uh, um, oh, back again. I just think, why is mismanagement going on? You know, there must be money. You know, there must be good people at the club. There must be accountants at the club. And if you're bringing in, you've got a spreadsheet, that's what you're bringing in, and that's your outgoings. And if one supersedes the other, so you're not enough coming in one side and you're going too far the other way, then you've got to do something about yeah. it. And someone should be looking at that. Because at the end of it, the people that hurts the most, it'll hurt the players, of course, because it's their livelihood. But it's the fans. The fan, You're a Reading fan for life. You're a yeah. Reading fan for two years. That player is, or six months, or four years, or whatever the number of years they're at the club. You're a fan for life, so it impacts you because the club that you love, the club that you support, the club that you talk about virtually every day of the week uh, to your mates and your, you know, on social media and your WhatsApp groups and everything else, that's the passion you've got for 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 the club. Players will come and go, managers yeah. will come and go, owners will come and go, but you're the ones that it impacts because it impacts your lives over a greater period. Whereas for the players, it the impacts them for the length of time they've got their contract. And I'm sure like some players, there'll be ex-players like myself, it's still, you know, it's still, it's still, you know, you still look at it, you still assess the situation and say, oh, isn't it dreadful what's happening in the old, my old club and what's going on there? But my 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 feelings are for the fans. You know, that's, that's what's, because to me, they're the ones, and every club, 
Doesn't matter what. I'm a my, my local club's like Noreen. You know, all my mates are season ticket holders there. So I'm a, we're always they're always talking to me about like Noreen, what's going on, you know, the the good and the bad. But it's a fans forum, you know, it's fans that I talk to about it. I'm not don't know any of the players really there and what's going on, if there's any good or bad things going on at the club. And it'd be the same with Reading, you know, it's yeah. it's ex players who've still got a love of the club. You know, lads that still report on it, lads that work in the media about it, you know, work on the local radio stations. Oh, Ray's gone again. Um, Johnny, when he comes back, I'm going to ask him, you asked him obviously about the current situation, but yeah. I wanted to get his thoughts on, um, you know, what happened after he left and obviously Reading yeah. went on to have that fantastic season with, with Steve Koppel. So interesting to see what he makes of that if if we do get him back. Yeah, yeah. Because um, nice. I think Ray was was at the start of, um, obviously, the move to the new stadium and then things started to go really well for Reading after that. It, obviously, that first season he was there, relegation. This must be the most fragmented <laughs> podcast. Okay. Uh, well, at least it's not worry. that much. Stitch it, stitch, stitch, stitch it together. We make it up as we go along. So, <laughs> don't um, we all? Don't yeah, we exactly. all? I was just saying to uh, to Johnny there. Obviously, after you left Reading, um, Reading then went on, you know, a, a real upturn and oh, brilliant! You know, Medesi Stadium and then promotion and then the one hundred and six season. You know that absolutely magnificent first season in the Premier League. Did you have a as as a former as a kind of recent former Reading player at that time? Did you have a sense of pride that you were kind of there at the start of all of all of that? Well, I don't think I had much influence over it, but to be honest, Mark, I think, I think it was a lot of other players, a lot of the players and managers and people behind the scenes that done the work to get them in that position. But you know what? The fans in the stadium deserved it. You know, where they were, you know, the, the support that they were getting. And I absolutely loved that. I mean, I, I did a few games at the stadium, you know, doing a bit of cool commentary. So I'd come over and see Nicky Hammond and Alan Pardew. You know, sometimes I was critical. Sometimes I was very positive about it. But that was my job to do that. The lads didn't always like it when you were critical because uh, obviously they always want the positivity. But um, it was great. It was great to see them back, you know, and up in that top division, you know, having, you know, great seasons, big games. And even now, you know, I, I like the football that they're trying to play, you know, and then it, it, it's always, you're always looking for progression. You're always looking, can you get closer to the top? It's just this season, you know, for whatever. It might be the finances. I didn't know. I didn't know the finances were as bad as it was. To be honest, that's that's a new a new story to me, and uh, something that I hadn't heard. But I will look into that. Um, but you just hope they come they come through this. All you want is a, a Reading side that you're proud of, that are you know that are being well run, a, a stadium that you can go and support your team and. Listen, the most important thing, I think, is like one of the most important things is the lads give you 100%. That's all you ask for as, as fans is attitude, commitment, every game. You do that, you're happy. You know, as, as supporters, obviously you want them to do the best that you can, but as long as they get out there giving it their all, I don't think you can ask for much more as a fan. Personally, that's how I, that's how I look at my team Celtic. I don't, and I don't, you know, you know, I don't really like observe them as much as I once did when maybe it was a bit younger. But when I watch Celtic, as long as they're applying themselves, that's all I look for. You know, if they go into Europe and they get well beaten in matches, at least as, as long as they're trying, that's all you want. That's what I look for. 
Yeah. Johnny? Yeah, I just want a side question, Ray. Just about um, how do you think the Irish team's doing at the minute the, under Stephen Kenny and the development of the younger players? And there seems to be more coming back into the, the Premier League as well now. It, what do you, how do you see it? Yeah, yeah. I, I look, look it was, it's been tough for Stephen. You know, he's, he's been a very tough um, three years. I think it's nearly three years now that yeah, he's been yeah. in charge. Uh, he's been trying to change the culture. Uh, a bit like Tommy Burns when he came in at Reading. You know, he wanted to try and change the style of football. Um, and it took a while for the lads to get to the level that they're at. Um, I, I was over for the Latvia game yeah. when they won 3-2. There was good signs in that. You know, a lot more positive signs. Um, I think there's some better individuals coming through. Evan Ferguson being one. I think Evan's going to be a, a star. I think he's going to have a huge future. He's a well-grounded lad. Very well balanced, good footballer. You know he understands the game. He's eighteen, um, but I just hope we don't put too much pressure too soon on his shoulders for someone so young. You know that you shouldn't be looking at him if he's going to be the uh, the the way forward or the, the way that Thailand are going to change completely. But this, I thought the game against France, the lads played well. Yeah. You know they're good to give a really good account of themselves against. Uh, I would say probably the most informed team in world football. If you look at what they have done over the last six years, France. You know, they won the World Cup what four years ago and got to the uh, got, got to the final uh, back in, in December. And you look at what they've done in, in Europe as well. You know, in the European Championship match, they've been excellent, been a fabulous side. So to play like we did, very very good. The only thing that we haven't got at the minute, Jonathan, is I would say is that conveyor belt of youngsters coming through. Yeah. You know, like yeah. so we had Troy Parrott. Troy was a big. You know, play it, you come through, and it didn't quite work out for Troy. You know, he's at, he's at Tottenham. I think he's still at Tottenham. He's on loan at the moment. So there was a lot of pressure on him. That didn't quite work out for him. Um, now we've got Evan coming through. People, when you look at Jason Malumbi, Josh Cullen, there's a lot of you lads, like 21s, 23s, 24s, 25s. So they're only going to get better the more they yeah, play yeah. together and the more that Stephen and his backroom staff keep working with them. But the one thing I get worried about, and it's only from a personal point of view, we're getting used to not qualifying. You know, the yeah, last yeah. time we qualified was 2016. You know, so that's it's it's got to be eight years next year when the Euros come around, and we're in a, we're in a tough group with France, with the Netherlands, with Greece. That's a tough group, and it's going to be very, very difficult to finish in the top two uh, from that. And there's only another three, I think, that qualify outside of them, two up two from the the the, the, the 20 groups. So there's 20 there, and then three, and obviously Germany's hosts to make up the 24. So it's going to be very, very difficult to come out of that. And it's another campaign without qualifying. So I don't want to get to the stage where we're used to not qualifying again. We need yeah, to get... Yeah. That's, what we, that's why we brought in Trapattoni. He got his qualified in 2012. That's why we brought in Martin O'Neill. He got his qualified in 2016. And now it could be another eight years. You know, and, and it might be 10 years because the next one after 2024 is 2026. Yeah, yeah, That'll be yeah. 10 years. And then... What that also brings, and we're talking about funding, I'm talking about money a little bit earlier we read it. If the FEI aren't generating the money because you're not at the big tournaments, you know, then you're relying on your home games and, you know, filling yeah. the stadium and your and sponsorship. And then that can impact what you're trying to do at international level as well. So it's good to see that you try to play a different way and it's good to see it starting to get progress from that. But we need to start qualifying and we yeah. need to start qualifying soon. Ray, just one last, one, sorry, I've, sorry, Mark, just one got... last question. Sorry, I just while I've got you here, right? I just have to ask about the late great Jack Charlton. What, what <laughs> in a very short 
what what was he like? Well, it'd be very hard to sum up Jack in a short period of time. <laughs> uh, but look at look at his influence uh, uh, with the international team um, to get his to you know two World Cups, one European champs. And if you looked at every campaign we were in, we were either first or second, first or second in every competition that we were in. I mean, we missed out in '92 for the Euros without losing a game. Yeah, we drew England twice. We We've lost Ray temporarily again. Hopefully he'll come back soon. Yeah, uh, sorry, Mike. Yeah, John, I'm just going to finish off the Irish connection at Reading. Going to ask Ray about that. Um, players like Kevin Doyle, Stephen Hunt, etc. So we'll just wait for Ray to come back. One final question, but it's been fantastic to speak to him. Absolutely. Such, Absolutely. A, such an insight. So uh, fingers crossed he comes back because yeah. I want to ask him this last uh, last question about the, um, the Irish players at, at Reading. And look, wouldn't it be great if if Reading could sort of repeat what they did? Um, you know, I think Brian McDermott was talking about it, wasn't he? Uh, you know, we got Kevin Doyle from Cork City, wasn't it? Yeah, shame. Um, and Steve Copper, when we had him on, he said he went over there and he couldn't see what the fuss was about. And then, you know, late late in the game, um, I think Kevin Doyle scored, uh, you know, a very late goal. Yeah. Yeah, and the way he kind of crafted that goal, Steve Steve Coppel was describing it. I think it was Steve Coppel or Brian McDermott, one of the two. And um, oh, here comes Ray. I'm going to ask him. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, here he comes now. Hopefully. Hello again. That's okay, Ray. We're, we're glad you we're glad you came back. Um, I've got one final question for you. You, you're talking about, um, you know, Jack Charlton and, and the Irish yeah. team. Obviously, Reading, you know, after you left, um, recruitment-wise, did really well, bringing in players like Kevin Doyle, Stephen Hunt, Shane yeah. Long. Um, you you must have been pleased to not only, you know, see the Irish players doing so well, but, but also it's a really good example of... Um, recruitment of of how to do recruitment well i mean what did you make of players coming through like your kevin Dawes and your stephen hunts well they done brilliantly for reading didn't they they had a fabulous career at the club shane long was different class as well wasn't he you know and i think whenever i spoke to the boys you know whenever i see them in you know going over to do island matches there was always a pride they really enjoyed playing for the club they had a fantastic time there they all speak very highly about being there and it's opportunity. I spoke about this quite early on, Mark, about it's when you've got an opportunity, you've got to seize it. And it's up to you. It's up to you, the player. It's your chance. No one else can do it for you. You've got to do it. You've got to do it for yourself. And I think every player that you mentioned there uh, did what they had to do at Reading to make themselves successful. And they were very good at it. You know, and they've got a great rapport with the fans. You know, even now, I'm sure when they go back there, they'll be, uh, you know, well-respected and, oh, uh, you know, open arms as, as they turned up to come and watch games. I think Stevens, uh, he's an agent now, so you could maybe get on to him to try and bring in one or two players to the club to try and help out. But every club, it doesn't matter what club you're at, it's about recruitment. You've got to get your recruitment policy right. And you need people out there that know what the club's about, the type of player that we settle into a club. I think, you, you, you know, just buying someone for 100 million doesn't going to make them a good player for you. Maybe a good player worldwide, but coming into your club, can he fit into, you know, the style of football that you're playing? 
How is he going to fit in with the other players at the club? What's his attitude like? These are things that you've got to find out before you just make that big decision. And it doesn't matter if you're buying them for 10 grand or 100 million. They're the things that you have to look look for and make sure you get that uh, as, as best you can. It's always still a gamble. Don't get me wrong. So it's still a gamble because you don't know how they're going to fare. And, you know, they might up, pick up an injury. They might get married. They might do something. They might have a child or whatever. And then that impacts them. All these things you can't factor in. But you still can do your due diligence as far as looking at the right players. Looking at your club. What do we need? You know, what do we need? What do Reading need right now to improve them? That's what you've got to be looking at. I'm sure behind the scenes, you know, all the uh, the coaching staff and uh, all the recruiters that go out there and all the scouts that go out looking at players are doing that. And you would have a, you know, like a box ticking thing to say, right, we're looking for a midfield of box to box or tackler or whatever the case may be. They're the things you'd be looking at to bring in. Uh, but hopefully you're utilising the Irish scene. That I think Ireland at the moment, uh, because we're not sending kids over as early at 16, 17, you're actually going to get the more mature player at 18, 19 because they've probably have played in the Irish League. So they're used to playing in the men's league and that will toughen them up a little bit for when they come over to England. Uh, and I think it'll, it'll be beneficial for them doing that. Um, but all I can say is, you know, as far as Reading's concerned, it's still... Uh, a club that's very much part of my his my history, very much part of what I am as a, as a footballer and what I did as a footballer. Um, as I say, I wish I went there a bit earlier, and the Reading fans actually seen me um, maybe when I was a, a little bit younger, a little bit fresher, and maybe in a bit better goal scoring form instead of the, the one that I got. Only one goal. Is, I'm, I'm really embarrassed by that. I've got to be honest with you. Um, I'd like to think, though, I made a few goals as well. Don't, don't forget, it was another lad there. Do you remember Massar? Oh, yeah, Massa geez, yeah. <laughs> There's another player that could have done better. Mass had great ability, you know. He was unbelievable. But I just don't know. He was just, he was, he was a weird lad. Good, great lad, funny lad. But what a waste. He was a waste. He could have been so much better than yeah. he turned out to be at the club. Um, but I just wish Redding every success. <clears throat> I hope the, the problems that they've got when it comes to the financial things are sorted out and sorted out quickly because it's not good f to have that hanging over uh, the manager, the players, the staff at the club and particularly the fans. Uh, and the quicker that's resolved, the better. Um, and, you know, that uh, the recruitment policy for the summer is good, get in the right players, start the campaign next season on a positive note. And as we've seen with other clubs that are currently up in the top six of uh, the championship, that you can get there. Yeah. You know, but don't overstretch yourself because a lot of them do it financially and then it hurts you three, four years down the line because uh, you don't make it to the promised land of the Premier League and you've overpaid players or, you know, your, your staff's much bigger than it should be. And then that's when financially you can have uh, some problems. Yeah, well, Ray, it's been absolutely brilliant to speak to you. Thanks ever so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. I am so just Ray. Boys, Mark, Jonathan, just an apology. I am not technically very good. <laughs> I have no clue why this thing's been keep cutting out. I can assure you, I have not touched the computer. I'll only try to get you boys back on. But it's been a it's been a real pleasure um, to to come and speak about Reading. As I say, uh, I wish you all the success in the future, lad. Adds and I hope the club goes from strength to strength. Thanks yeah, so much, thank, Ray. thank you, Ray. Really appreciate you coming on. Sports Social Podcast Network.